0: Hello, friends. My name is John Morgan. My pronouns are he and him, and welcome to Hope Collective Church. Uh, We're in the second week of the series called Unexpected Acts of God, and we're camping out in the book of Acts for a little bit, uh, seeing how God has shown up into people's lives in an unexpected way, and we're embracing ourselves, the sometimes unpredictable leading of the Holy Spirit in our own lives. Well, specifically today, we're looking at how the Spirit leads us to develop unlikely friendships. And I really enjoyed uh, putting this message together this week because it it called to my mind and and helped me uh, to be thankful for all the unexpected relationships in my own life. And maybe the same will be true for you after we spend a little bit of time together today. Well, leading up to today's scripture in Acts chapter 9, we read about how the apostles were going out and preaching good news, and and people were receiving healing and being baptized and receiving the Holy Spirit. We begin to understand in the book of Acts that God's love is unlimited, and all people are included, even the unlikely. Well, sometimes that catches us off guard, especially when the Holy Spirit guides us to connect with the unlikely people. (laughs) Well, this is where we pick up in Acts chapter 9, starting with verse 1. It says, Meanwhile, Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any who belonged to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, this man named Saul was a tent maker by trade. However, he was theologically trained by one of the most well-known and well-respected rabbis in Jerusalem. And so Saul became one of the main prosecuting attorneys for the High Religious Council. And in the previous chapter, we read about how he approved of the death penalty of Christ's followers who we see in in verse 2 were known as people who followed the way. Saul approved of and oversaw people being stoned to death. And through the scripture, we see how dedicated he was to this cause. He was willing to travel from Jerusalem to Damascus, which was about 150 miles. With the roads available at the time through the difficult terrain, experts say it probably would have taken Saul up to two weeks to make this trip. So that's dedication, isn't it? He would travel two weeks to get to Damascus to arrest the men and women and travel two weeks back to Jerusalem so that these people can be executed. <laughs> it's so, he was so wrong, but he thought he was right. It, my, my friend Rusty taught me a, a saying a couple weeks ago. It goes like this. You know the thing about being wrong? It feels like being right. And that's so true, right? If you think about it, especially, this is such a great example. Saul thought he was right. It felt like he was right, but he was just so wrong. And we've all been there before, uh, where, where uh, we were so confident, even adamant about something that we thought was right later to found out, find out that we, that we were wrong all along. And when it's about something with no or low impact, it doesn't really matter, does it? <laughs> I mean, I can sing a song for for years and and sing it with the most confidence that I, that the right words are coming out of my, out of my mouth, and and they'll be totally the wrong lyrics. My wife Elizabeth will laugh at me about this. Uh, because I always get I always mess up the lyrics, but i but I sing it with confidence because I think I'm right. I asked her the other day, can you give me an example for this message of of a song that I sing uh, wrong, but I think I'm right and she says, "I can't think of a song that you don't sing right <laughs> or that that you don't sing wrong because I always get it. I can't even get this. <laughs> I can't even get this right, (laughs) but you know what I'm saying. (laughs) And I'm not going back and re-recording this because I've gone back a million times already. So just deal with it, all right? (laughs) Well, when we make little mistakes like that, when we're wrong about the little things, it really doesn't matter in the big scheme of things, right? However, how often do we as humans use wrong words, carry out wrong actions, or support wrong ideas with the confidence because it feels right. And in doing so, it impacts the people around us and oftentimes causes harm. And one of the most difficult things for humans to do is to to first see the wrong, to feel that it's wrong, and then to admit that, that it's wrong. Because if I'm wrong, then that means I've been causing harm all along. Well, ask any Cleveland baseball fan, right? How easy is it to switch uh, from mascots uh, this, this year from, being, from having the name Indians, the switching to having the name Guardians, from having an offensive caricature of an indigenous person to, uh, to having a picture now of a stone statue outside of the city? It's difficult to supporting a switch in a mascot because that's admitting that that we were causing harm all along to indigenous people. (laughs) Another, quote, funny thing about being wrong is that we can see it in other people clearly, right? (laughs) It's easy to identify and criticize other people when they are wrong, but it's not so easy to identify and especially critique our own wrongness. That's why uh, We oftentimes are in need of what a mentor used to call, a mentor of mine used to call a two-by-four experience. (laughs) Like sometimes we just need like whacked in the side of the head or something (laughs) really hard to cause us to stop and reassess the situation for a moment. This is what happened to Saul. We'll pick up in verse 3. It says, Now he was going along and approaching Damascus. Suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And he asked, Who are you, Lord? The reply came, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless because they heard the voice but saw no one. Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. Now Saul himself had a two-by-four experience where he had to stop dead in his tracks and evaluate what his life was all about. Now, this isn't to say that anytime something bad or traumatic happens that God is trying to get your attention. I'm not saying that at all. <laughs> but there, there are just moments in life that cause us to pause and reevaluate. About a few years ago, I was reading a book called White Fragility by Robin D'Angelo, And that was like a two-by-four experience to me. It, it just caused me to stop and reevaluate how I lead specifically i was challenged to think about if i was leading in a way that was truly anti-racist or if i was simply being content with not not saying anything or worried about doing anything racist like there's a difference there <laughs> The book prompted me to to request a discussion with one of our strong black female leaders in our denomination, and I simply asked the question, is there anything in my leadership that I'm doing that is either either causing harm or allowing racism to persist in our community? And to be quite honest with you, that was not the easiest feedback I ever received. It uncovered some of my people-pleasing tendencies that perpetuates racial injustices. But just because this was an uncomfortable moment for me doesn't mean that it was a bad moment. In fact, it was very helpful. See, we need these two-by-four moments of clarity in order to see clearly and embrace what the Holy Spirit is doing in and through us. So Saul had this two-by-four experience. It was a little bit more intense than, than, this, uh, than the book that I read. <laughs> but he needed an intense two-by-four experience in order to get his attention, right? But while God was working on Saul, God was also preparing the heart of another person. We read in verse 10, Now there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias... He answered, Here I am, Lord. The Lord said to him, Get up and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. And at this moment he is praying, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who invoke your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is an instrument whom I have chosen to bring my name before Gentiles and kings and before the people of Israel. Have you ever considered that God ordains uh, paths of people to cross each other so that they are introduced to one another, so that, so that relationships will be formed? That's <laughs> not beyond the realm of possibilities that God can and maybe at this very moment is using you as a healing agent in someone else's life. The only difference between you and Ananias is that Ananias lived 2,000 years ago. That's it. Like, there's nothing superhuman about him. God can use you just like God used Ananias. I've been listening to uh, this audiobook this week by John Pavlovitz, and it's called, If God is Love, Don't Be a Jerk. And there's one chapter I really love in this book, and it's called Love Your Damn Neighbor. And I partly love it because uh, he swears, (laughs) but I uh, truly love it because he points out that people aren't always lovable. There's a story told in this chapter about a woman who's fed up with people and uh, with church folks specifically who aren't inclusive, and she was ready to write them all off And then God placed upon her heart to invite these people over to her house weekly and develop a relationship with them. And uh, some of the gatherings were disastrous because of their theological and political differences. However, in one of those gatherings, God brought about healing through a conversation uh, regarding racism. You never know why God causes these unlikely friendships to form. You never know how God is going to use you to bring about healing in other people's lives. Or maybe God will use the unlikely friendships to bring about healing in your own life. Or as I've experienced plenty of times is that that, that path of healing goes, goes both ways. Isn't that amazing to think about that God can use that person on social media who sees the world through a different lens than you to bring about healing? Or God can use you to bring about healing in that person's life who who disagrees with your political stances. When we read the story about Saul and Ananias, we think that this truly is a holy moment. But when God writes us into the story, we want to put the brakes on sometimes and, and say, not so fast, God. I, I'm too busy disliking this person and <laughs> I'm not ready to form an unlikely friendship. But I'm wondering if God has has brought you together with someone where it might be an unlikely relationship and unlikely friendship for the purpose of healing in someone's life (laughs) i've been reading an indigenous translation of the new testament called the first nations version and i love the way in this translation that people are identified by, by what they by what they do or what their names mean so ananias is called in this translation creator shows kindness paul is called man who questions Jesus is referred to as creator sets free. And in addition to identifying people in this special way, this uh, translation honors the story as it gives a fresh perspective, specifically in verses 17 through 19. Um, these verses have just absolutely touched my heart. Listen to this from, uh, from the First Nations Version. Creator shows kindness or Ananias followed the guidance given to him in the vision and went to the house and there he placed his hands on man who questions or Saul. man who questions my brother he said to him creator sets free our honorary chief the one who appeared to you on the road has sent me to you so you may see again and be filled with his holy spirit Right then, something like fish scales fell from his eyes and he could see again. Then he stood up and went to participate in the purification ceremony. After that, he ate some food and his strength returned. He stayed in the village of Silent Weaver, or Damascus, for a few days with some followers of Creator Sets Free. (laughs) I love the humility expressed in and that creator shows kindness, or Ananias, he followed the guidance given to him in the vision. And then the strong tie to the culture as man who questions, or Saul participates in the purification ceremony, or, or we know as a baptism. And in this translation, along with many others, Ananias refers to Paul as brother. In the original language, the word is adelphus, and when we break down this word, the A means connected to, and delphus means the womb, and it's a recognition that the two belong together from birth. Maybe not from the same biological parents, but there's something there between the two that is, that's inseparable This is an extremely intimate way that Ananias is uh, addressing Saul. He's saying, Brother Saul, we belong together. And this is quite a touching moment because there were obvious differences between the two. And there is a definite risk that Ananias is taking. But he embraces the unpredictable guidance of the Holy Spirit. At first I was questioning if this story was actually about friendship. And to be honest with you, the title of the sermon came first, an unlikely friendship, and then I studied the scripture. But here's a strong case that Ananias approached this encounter like he's all in, right? He, he's not just going to show up and pray and then leave. But in this interaction, we see that Ananias is saying, brother Saul, we're in this together. We are connected. I'm claiming you as one of us. And we can see the intimacy as he places his hands on Saul and he's claiming Saul as a brother and he doesn't let go until Saul receives healing in his life. And through this unlikely friendship, Saul is connected with other believers. As we continue reading through Acts throughout this series, uh, we'll see that this unlikely friendship Totally changed the world. And so, as I like to say, we're going to put press pause here in this series. Um, but it's uh, quite a challenge for us, isn't it, to, to really consider how God has caused our paths to uh, intersect with people who might be different than us? And are we bold enough to? to embrace the leading of the holy spirit and to welcome these unlikely friendships for the sake of healing <laughs> well friends as we uh, prepare our heart our hearts for communion let's join together in another worship song then we'll we'll meet back i'll be in the same place right here and we'll we'll take communion together amen